Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to the best of Kevin and Query on 93.5 and 107.5. The Fan. Jake, uh, live here at Grand Park, it's probably a pretty important quality for a rookie to be on time, and that is certainly the case with our next guest, uh, the pride of Warren Central, the second-round pick from the Colts. Back in April, he is Juju Brents, and he joins us now. Juju, good Tuesday morning to you. How's the body feel after a couple NFL practices? Great Tuesday morning. Yeah, it's feeling pretty good, man. I'm just excited to get back out there with the guys. You know, it's been a, been a long time for the little showcase, but uh, I'm just happy to be out there. You know, how were you handling that? Like, I'm watching you at practice. You're, I mean, you seem to be a great teammate. You were celebrating guys, making big plays. I'm thinking to myself, that would be really hard for me to do. Like, I, I'd, be, I, I'd be standing there thinking to myself, Dang, you know, I want to be out there. And, and you, you have to realize, obviously, the opportunities other guys are, are, are getting. So how did you handle missing that time in the spring and even the first week or so here of camp? No, absolutely. Uh, it's like that thing you hear when you growing up all your life playing sports. You know, people always tell you, you know, just control what you can control. Um, you know, so just dealing with the elements, you know, it was unfortunate that I was out for a little bit of time, but uh, just making sure that certain things I did that I could control, you know, once that time comes for me to be out there on the field, you know, I was really prepared and ready to go. So just diving into the playbook, being personal with my guys, little things like just celebrating and just being present in the moment while I'm still not being be able to be out there. Uh, man, once you do get out there now, it's just time to just let it all loose and play football. You know, Juju, I'm curious of this. I know you're aware of the opportunity that sits in front of you. But and that opportunity, I would think, creates a desire to just, like, let's go, you know? And then your body is telling you, oh, hold on just a second. Which was a greater emotion for you? The kind of the anxiety of knowing what was in front of you and getting after it or the frustration of not being able to get after it in the right time? Uh, that's a good question. I honestly, honestly answering that truthfully, I would say really kind of neither. Uh, I don't really look at it as pressure. You know, it's a lot more things else in the world that I could really, really consider, like just true, true pressure. This I just, this is something that I love to do. It's football. Um, and, man, once I said, like, once again, just being present, you know, so um, – just understanding that the circumstances that I was in was just temporary and that I would eventually get over this home is that's the kind of mentality I kind of had. And then regarding just, you know, this anxiety to get out there, man, it's football for me. It's just something that I love to do. So uh, it really wasn't nothing too, too crazy in the sense of having anxiety because once I get out there, just having the confidence that I do have. So far, what has been – the biggest adjustment I, I mean i realize the speed uh, that would be the natural right. answer here but but what is the one thing if any that you still feel like you really want to get some footing on that, that is that you just are still trying to navigate through for sure i would say uh just the details you got to be real detail oriented um it's a game of inches honestly so um just those small fine details within the game those are the things that i've been paying a lot more attention to so you know just learning from guys like kenny moore just Paying a little bit more attention to certain splits I'm seeing, different formations, um, pre-time recognition, you know, making those plays happen before the plays even happen. So that's been the main thing for me right now. Um, and just diving more into that. And then, like you said, a little bit with the speed, you know, it's a different type of sense of urgency. 
um, just to pick it up right away and uh, just get moving. So, but the main thing right now has been the mental aspect. He's Indianapolis native, Warren Central product, played Iowa and Kansas State. Juju Brents with us here. Uh, live at Grand Park, Colts are going to get practice started at 9 a.m. Juju, obviously when the Colts drafted you, you know everybody saw the, the depth chart and what's happened since then. You know They traded Gilmore earlier in the offseason, obviously the Isaiah Rogers news. There is open playing time to be had. How far behind do you feel like you are in, in trying to earn some rookie playing time? Uh, I'm just taking it one day at a time, honestly. I don't really feel like I'm far behind. Um, you know, just I know that I'm at my own pace right now and I can't get into the you know, the in that easy game of comparison. You know, so just run my race. You know, I tweeted that out the other day, uh just one percent every single day. And that's what I've been focused on. So, you know, when that opportunity does come, just make sure I'm fully prepared. But uh just being present in the moment, man. You can't look too far ahead and, and can't worry about the past, you know, all we can't worry about is just the present when we got. As you've been watching, who is the corner that has caught your eye, whether it was in the spring or here in camp? There's been a lot of guys, honestly. Uh, you know, like we got a couple of vets. You know, we are a young core, but a couple of guys like Tony Brown, who's real intentional with the way he go about his business. Um, Julian Blackman as well. And obviously, you know, the easy answer would be Kenny Moore. But uh, two testament just like to the pro he is, just the person he is, you know. Um, somebody who reached out to me to give me little tips here and there, like, hey, I see you did some practice. This may work for you as well. Um, just giving me different pointers. But I would definitely say Kenny. You know, he's a guy where, um, man, he definitely takes advantage of every time he's out there on the field, and uh, it's just infectious. Is it surreal to you still uh, that – I mean, I'm assuming there are guys that you're you're walking past that you're thinking, well, like five years ago I wanted that guy's autograph. You know, I know that this is still a pretty young team, but there are some players here – that were playing on Sundays at Lucas Oil Stadium when you were walking the halls at Warren Central. Has it all set in? Thanks. I mean, yeah, now it's just like, all right, these are like <laughs> my teammates, co-workers, like, yeah, like, it's, it's time to go. Like, it gives me, like, a different type of drive to, like, you know, to try to be on those type of, you know, levels that they're on, for sure. Like, just seeing, like, Shaq Leonard just walking around, seeing them, and then going out on the field and, like, let's do it, like, working together. Like, like this, is, this is tough. Like, this is tough. Um, even Kenny, like we were talking the other day, I'm like, bro, like I've been watching you since you've been a coach. Like I've been a fan for a long time, and he's like, man, like that's that's what's up. So uh, yeah, it definitely is kind of just like a a little realization, like wow, like it's it's pretty dope. But now, man, like all uh, the surreal moments as far as like getting drafted and being a coach now, like that's behind me. Like I'm I'm focused on getting to work and uh, being a big contributor to help us win some games. It's a storybook tale, Juju Brents, and I know that you know that um, of a local guy playing you know coming out of obviously a dominant football program at Warren Central and getting drafted by your hometown team but that can have and I'm sure you're aware of this some dangers and some pitfalls you know I know in talking to Jeff George for example who who had the same thing came out of Warren got drafted here you know and Jeff has been pretty honest about the fact of like hey it was tough because here I was I had all this money and yet all my guys from high school were only four or five years removed and it was easy to just – I'm not saying that, that to get detracted. You know what I'm saying there, right? I mean, just to, to lose your focus and to not realize what's at hand. How do you balance that? I mean, the pressures of your hometown, your classmates, wanting to be able to fulfill probably the requests of a lot of people. How do you navigate through all of it? Yeah, for me, um, just keeping my, my circle tight and close, you know, um, and definitely just setting those right boundaries. You know, uh, 
I have a real tight family, like I'm real family oriented. So, uh, you know, my mother and father, you know, the way they raised me. So just giving me the right type of, you know, uh, mentality for sure at a young age, which has got me to this point. You know, it's a lot of different temptations you can have out there in the world. But, uh, but man, just falling back on your core values, that's something that's big for me. So um, just having the right people around me, you know, the same ones who've been there for me. Um, and continue to just move forward with that mentality that got me here to this point. So, yeah, there's always temptations, but, man, just keeping the right people around you. That's the way I kind of maneuver through all the extra things that come with it. Can it be hard to say no, whether it be – and I don't even necessarily mean temptations, but people from the east side that might reach out to you that are in need of assistance and, you know, all the things that come with kind of the fame that you now walk into, can that be challenging? Yeah, it's definitely, it's definitely uh, power in the word, no. You know, that's something I feel like a lot of guys in the league have to, um, you know, learn something in order to do once you get to this type of level. Um, so, yeah, it's a process. You know, it's a lot of different things I'm learning while, I'm, you know, now being an NFL player. It's kind of crazy to call myself an NFL player now, something I've been dreaming of my whole life. But, yeah, you know, that definitely is a challenge. But, uh, you know, it's just what comes with the game. So, uh, you know, there's a lot of different things I'm continuing to keep learning about. You know, just having a, a very, you know, great group around me a lot of different leaders who guys I can learn from and uh, be able to attain some of the information they have and apply it to myself so uh, just keep learning you know but yeah all that yeah we gonna be good Juju Brents found out he was an NFL player just a couple of miles away from here and that would be birdies the location of his draft party Juju were you getting some putt-putt in while you were waiting for the Colts to announce your name that was kind of the plan that sadly on that day we had a little bit of some dribbling from rain, so we didn't get to go outside to the putt putt. <laughs> but I think Birdie's like, yeah, trust me, we'll we'll be back. So uh, I'm looking forward to be able to do that here soon, though, <laughs> when I get a little time at the camp. I remember seeing you at the local pro day. You and Shane Steichen had a long chat back in early April. But I'm curious. I feel like when guys get drafted, you hear such a variety of how much contact they had with the team that that took them. You know, some guys are like, I literally did not talk with them throughout the whole draft process. Other guys are like, you know, top 30 visit, local pro day, et cetera, et cetera. How much interaction did you have with the Colts during the draft process compared to other teams around the league? Uh, actually, quite similar to most of the teams, like. For me, I did um, had the opportunity to go to the senior boat, which was a blessing. So I met with pretty much all 32 teams there. And then, um, well, like a month later, you know, at the combine, I then had another interaction where I met with all 32 teams. So the coaches were definitely in the mix. And then being a local guy, like you said, being able to go to the local pro day, um, obviously not working out, but just getting a little bit more personable, you know, learning from, you know, Gus Bradley, a great mind, uh, Milo as well, my defensive back coach. And then just go psychic, you know, um, just being able to learn, like, what type of player I am and a man, most importantly, you know, and, um, and if it's just a fit for the organization. And I'm more than ecstatic, you know, to just to call myself a coach now and, and wear that horseshoe on my helmet. Uh, it is a dream come true, man, and uh, it is pretty dope. So, you know, coach are in the mix, but you just never know how that how that whole process will turn out. Um, but I'm glad it did turn out the way it did. Which was a bigger jump in terms of, like, on the practice field, the speed acclamation going from Warren Central to the Big Ten and then later obviously Kansas State going you know via Iowa so from from high school to college that gap or from college now to NFL players hmm um you know they both were definitely you know foreign environments for me going to college you know just a different different type of you know game in the Big Ten and then you know now transition to the NFL but honestly like (laughs) 
some of those practices I had at Warren Central was harder than some of the the practices I had at Iowa, Kansas State, and you know I'm still learning about the ones there with the coach. But uh, man, you know Warren Central did a great job of molding me into uh, you know the type of player I am now, and you know, just the type of mentality and uh, the way that program is ran, like it's it's the mentality of you no know, moving guys up to the next level. So uh, I give a lot of like my coaches from high school and just little league, you know, a lot of credit. You know, don't get me to this point for real, but uh, uh, the pick between one, you know, I can't really say right now. It's still kind of early, so. But tell you know, me I'm, the I'm Warren Juju. Tell me the Warren Central teammate you had that either directly or just through example most pushed you when you were a young player. Hmm, that's a lot of different guys I could say. Um, honestly, just. Just from growing up and watching them, and they actually having different teammates. You know, it's a lot of different guys like Darren Nevins, who played for the coach back in the day, Drew Warren, Pierre uh, Bell. Actually, playing with one though, I would say probably would be um, Michael Tussey. And it's so crazy that we are teammates again now with the coach. But uh, I was gonna say he's probably, a cult now. Yeah, his his dad was actually my my little league coach growing up, and he had such a big impact on me. Just like the standard he set. From that point on, being kids, and then just the way I seen Michael move around and the way he went about his business, it's the same Mike I've been knowing since we was young. So it's crazy how, you know, life comes full circle, and now we're on the same team again. But that's definitely one of those guys. There's a lot of different people I could say, but he's one for sure. Your favorite NFL player when you were a kid? <laughs> I feel like a lot of people probably know the answer now, but 100% Bob Sanders. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's probably – any kid at your position in Indianapolis, that would have to be the answer, right? I remember having Bob's jersey and then, like, remember going to the University of Iowa and I got the chance to talk to him because you know, he was a Hawkeye as well. Um, I was just starstruck in that moment when I got – just hearing his voice on the phone was crazy. And then seeing him in person, he came to a game. So, 100% Bob Sims. Well, by seeing him in person, that puts you in a rare air in the last five years. <laughs> He's like an enigma. Yeah, probably talk about like 2018 when that was my first year. But uh, <laughs> but Bob, man, he, he's good people, great people. Um, dude looked like a a, a linebacker, it's ridiculous. I didn't know how big he was in person, but yeah, he's good people though. Juju, we'll we'll end with this. Was the selection of 29? Is that Joseph Adai related? Was was there any uh, reason on on jersey 29? Uh, honestly, it was just you know um, just something that one of my options that I had available. Um, you know, uh, it's not just personal makes the number, you know, they think say, but, uh, uh, if I could have got this opportunity to wear 21, I probably would have grabbed it, but <laughs> 29 it is. Let me go rock it. Juju Brent, second-round pick again. The Warren Central product had his draft party right up here in Westfield at Birdie's, and now he will get on the practice field here in a little over an hour for the third time in his NFL career. Juju, I know it's been probably an up-and-down offseason health-wise. Stay healthy the rest of the year. Good luck, and uh, I know you got the whole east side of Indianapolis rooting for you. Absolutely. I appreciate you. Thanks for having me on. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. 
Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Possession oh into the end zone God. for us. <laughs> One of our favorite calls from last year. That is Rick Venturi. Unfortunately, that was the Jalen Hurts uh, touchdown there. To uh, <laughs> what you, are we? What did you think they were gonna do? I think Zaire Franklin <laughs> was running to Effingham. Coach. Do you remember your play. thought process on that oh, call? I, well, I said it right out loud. I couldn't help it. I said, "What did you think they were gonna yeah. do on third down?" I mean, he could have run. The only thing would have stopped him is Noblesville Square. <laughs> I mean, there wasn't anybody close to him. I was like, and and you know, I had when I do my podcast. You guys know this. I work like hell on it, and I do a, ga- a mock game plan. And my thing was, when you get inside of your twenty, it hurts. He's gonna run it. He's the twelfth guy, just like we're gonna see it with Anthony down mm-hmm. the road. And so, you know, to, to to make him beat you with a fade. Don't don't let him run it in. That yeah. was oh I, that was the most which he had already done earlier in the drive already in the drive several yeah, times mean, to get and down it was there. it was there live in person. It was just so stunning to me. I couldn't believe it. And I just couldn't even hold back on. That we one. love the raw motion. Absolutely <laughs> love you know, the raw. You know what we have? Oh, possession into the end zone for us. We haven't talked about this. The Matt Ryan comments. I know. I know. We and do so, need to get to that at some point. Yeah, I mean, I want to yeah. get to that with, with Rick, too, but a lot to talk about, obviously. Yeah, and again, inside football with Rick Venturi, as Rick mentioned, a must-listen to. That's him and Matt Taylor. That's weekly now starting up, correct? Yeah, we're, we're on it. We'll, we will post up um, uh, usually on Wednesdays. Okay. Uh, occasionally that'll change, but for the most part, we post up Wednesday afternoon. And, you know, at this point, we're doing half-hour shots, but... As you guys know, when we get into regular season, yeah. I really I get put everything I have into it, uh, all the film study, and what I try to do is create a blueprint for victory. Not a homer view, but if we do these things, we can win the game. You know what I'm saying? And so I really, so it's just an extension of my coach. I actually love it, but. You know, I think if people listen to it, they'll be real, great, well great prepared listen. for the game. Yeah, that, that is an understatement. And obviously, he'll be on the TV call to start off here the first couple of preseason games. Let's start with number five. Um, we've seen, I think, a little bit more starting action than maybe I would have thought through eight practices. Yeah. Clearly a commitment from Shane Steichen to see what he can do. Uh, what have you seen from Anthony Richardson? Well, I mean, you can't hide the talent. I mean, you know, we knew coming in that this guy was uber talented. I mean, we knew that. Um, he grew on me from day one. Uh, I don't know that I expected such a stable, uh, coachable, uh, bright guy, a guy that, um, you know, not only has those qualities, but has a charisma about him. I knew the talent was there, and, and yet he's so coachable, and that's what's critical, because if you have that kind of talent, you're going to be able to overcome the deficiencies in your game because you're going to listen uh we merged him with the best possible coach there's no question about that the hiring of steichen and the merging of he of him with uh uh, richardson is what the doctor ordered i also think kevin and jake i also believe that i think the rep distribution is also a result of him 
taking it on pretty quickly and doing pretty well. I mean, he has he hasn't been overwhelmed. I mean, he's had issues at times, but you know, I think you know they're I think they're gaining more confidence, and I think the back to back Saturday Sunday performance is mm-hmm. critical because. You know he's going to wow you, Jake. I mean, there's going to be plays coming out of a game that you're going to say, you know, we've seen him out here. Sure. Yeah. Oh hi- my God. Hi- highlight real time. How, how did he do that? But is he also going to head pound you at times? And, and then there's going to be times he's going to go through a streak of five for 15. Yep. So what's critical, and that's why back-to-back practices of good performances are so important. The two things you're going to listen, you're going to look for, and you're going to develop, and you're going to know when the growth is there is one. The consistency where you're not five for 15. And then the most important thing for Richardson is going to be situational football. Third and four plus and red zone. Because the rest of the game, this is where the game has changed from what we've all known it. Even some of my peers say, well, you can't play that way. Well, they can play that way. Jalen Hurts has proven you can play that way. So 50% of the game, he already has. That's the misconception of what a quarterback had to do in 1999 and what he has to do today. Now, what's different is those sophisticated situations. And that's I thought that he has struggled a little bit on those third and longs. I thought that he really did a good job in the red zone, though, Sunday. I mean, he hit, he, he ran for one, and then he made a terrific, uh, yeah, sale to, to Granson. To Granson. I yeah. mean, you know, and that and that's what you're looking when down in there you have tight windows, sophisticated coverage, and you know, what I see sometimes on third down, and it's not a criticism of him. I mean, it's just I mean, all kids and I can tell you this, Jake, I don't I don't care if you go back to Jeff George, to Elway, to Manning, it is so hard. People don't realize how hard it is to be a starting quarterback in the NFL as a rookie. I mean, it's just different. The game is different. And so I, what I see sometimes on third down is when things get cloudy. That's when he gets a little bit unsure, which is not, I mean, you know, which is not unusual. And, and, and that's where he gets erratic. That's where the, you know, he'll make a last-minute throw and it'll sail or something like that. But, I mean, he's just exciting. And he's a great kid with it. I mean, so, I mean, I, I think as I go into this thing, this, this, and particularly being around him, to me, there's more excitement than expectation. I, I'm, I'm not into expectations of the season. But he is going to be an exciting piece down the road. Rick, when I look at, like the completion percentage and so much is made of that of his his lower completion percentage at Florida. Now, a guy that had that coming out of college was Josh Allen at Wyoming. Right. But if you looked at Josh Allen, half of his receiving core had left in his I can't remember if Allen was a four year or three year guy, but in his second to last year of college, his receiving core all graduates or transfers or whatever, and then he's throwing to new faces. Now in the case of Anthony Richardson, what is the plausible explanation for the lower completion percentage in college and what can be done to how do you offset that how do you improve that at the nfl level well i'll be honest with you at one time i thought that you know maybe you couldn't maybe jake locker was the rule you know the guy that had the 52 percent completion average and that's where it stayed uh allen and even hertz has changed that you know and they've changed that and and i think so much of it is first of all he played on bad Florida team. That, that's a bad Florida team. That's not the Florida. Yeah, they barely had anybody get drafted. That we that we have grown up with. I mean, it was a bad football team 
that played out of desperation a lot. And again, he was just a kid, 13 starts. So you're really talking about almost a freshman all the time in one year. I think what's going to be critical for him, and, and I see Steichen and the quarterback coach and Cooter and those guys working out all the time, it's going to be more footwork and timing because he actually has good mechanics. He isn't a freewheeling athlete first, throw second, you know, like Lamar was coming out. Okay, Lamar was not an accurate guy. He was an athlete playing quarterback. This kid has a tight delivery, tight spin on the ball. He can spin it. So, I mean, to me, the two biggest things is decisiveness and processing, number one. So you're going to the right spot at the right time. And then number two, it's going to be more footwork. It's more footwork because it's not going to be the throwing action part of it. And the the other thing I really like about him is that he can throw off platform. And you have to in this league. you got to be able to throw off platform. But, I mean, we'll see how far they can take him. My gut tells me because he's so coachable and because his mechanics are actually good to start with that they'll bring him along. How important – let me ask you this question that's going to prove why I talk on the radio and not coach sports, okay? But how important is it when you are assembling a roster and a team for a guy that you're going to hand the keys over to in Anthony Richardson to also select the right backup quarterback? In other words – to have a guy like a – and I don't know that Gardner Minshew is this guy, but how important is it that Gardner Minshew ha- understands the role of mentorship while at the same time being capable of playing when he needs to, but to not try to usurp the confidence of Anthony Richardson? Well, uh, Minshew's perfect for that. Mi- Minshew, from a psychological and mental standpoint, totally knows who he is, okay? He's here to play – basically to be the backup to bring stability to be the mentor i don't think he has any any delusions that he's going to take this to the promised land so that part of it is really important now from a purely coaching standpoint and and you're seeing more teams do this you see mariota go into the eagles okay as the backup what you would like to do is have a Richardson light okay so that if he goes down for a series you don't have to you change schematically the, the, yeah the schematically I right. don't have to go back and rewrite the playbook right which Minshew can't do Minshew is a efficient you know we saw him rip us for two games but, yeah singles you know, and doubles he, he yeah he's a singles guy He's, he's a really good guy before the snap good guy in the huddle he's going to get you in the right play uh, if the protection is there, he's basically going to go to the right guy, but he's not a playmaker. I mean, he's not – he doesn't have the gun, and he doesn't have the athleticism. So, you know, what you've got is a decent bridge if you need it, a mentor and things like that. You know, but as you go, if you say build the team, as you say build the team, then what you want once Richardson establishes himself is you want a Richardson-like backup. And for now, it's just a one-year deal for Gardner. Oh, oh, no, we're just Gardner. getting yeah. through twenty-three, yeah. and you know, and 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 again, the biggest key with Richardson is: is he ready? I think he's going to be ready. Do you start him week one? Oh, I I think you do. Now, yeah. I I got to be in the room. I got to see him eyeball to eyeball, you know. But from what I've seen on the practice field, from what I saw Saturday and Sunday, 
I, I think you can close the gap. Now, I think you reduce the game plan. You know, I think you reduce the game plan to the things that he can do well, which the, the NCAA part of the game, the zone reads, the RPOs, I mean, that's, that's in the pocket. So, again, it's what is the reduced package on third down? What is the reduced package in the red zone? And then you, and, and then you work like that. But, you know, when you see him, the increased reps he takes, the better he is. I mean, he's jumped ahead now in the rep department by about 20. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I'm all for that because I just, you know, I had a coach when I was in college. He recruited me, coached me, gave me my first job. And he said every day of, you know, you learn by doing. I mean, he's not going to learn by watching. I'm I'm just telling you. He's not going to learn by watching Gardner Minshew play. I mean, now the only thing, the only caveat I would say is psychologically, if you don't feel he's quite ready and could get overwhelmed, you might back off right. a little just so that there's not a confidence lag. We've seen a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL. David Carr's the example. Yeah, I was Vinny Testaverde. I mean, I, I can't. There's a bunch of guys that have come in and normally come in with bad teams. They get the hell knocked out of them. They have no success. They have failure. And some of them never come back. You know what I'm saying? So, I mean, but that is the only caveat to me. I think this kid has it emotionally. You know, I think he's, he's such a stable kid, such a, you know, I mean, you, get, you fall in love with him, really. I hate to say that. And I'm not trying to, there's no way that I'm, I'm trying to be a company guy here. I just I really like him. I yeah. Mean, I, and I like him probably better than the day we drafted him if you can believe it because i knew i knew what the talent was i did just i did i didn't quite know the whole package yeah his poise and his work ethic i think are two non-combine traits oh they are that that i think completed the profile of why the colts felt like at number four he was worth it rick venturi's with us speaking of watching that's what we'll be doing saturday afternoon it'll be greg Rakestraw, rick venturi lara overton live from buffalo that is a one o'clock kick again inside football is the podcast and the colts audio network with Matt Taylor, him and Rick, it's a must-listen. Uh, the elephant in the room, Jonathan Taylor's situation. Um, just overall, what are your thoughts on that? Well, first of all, I hate to see it negotiated in the media. Okay, I've always, I've been one of those guys that the less said ever, the better. Um, you know, if the agent wants to pop off, pop off. That's his business. Um, you know, I, I, it's, it's tough for me because I have such great respect for Jonathan as a player and, and as a guy. I mean, he's a double major out of Wisconsin, <laughs> physics being one of them. I mean, you, we're not dealing with a guy that came in on a load of wood. I mean, we're dealing with a really sharp guy. You know, a guy that against Buffalo, you know, has 225 yards and five touchdowns when we just eat him alive two years ago, gains 1,800 yards. You know, and I understand that backfield by committee in modern-day football is possible. I mean, you've got a first down back, third down back, a banger on third down and that kind of stuff. But what he brings to the table is home run ability on a team that hits singles. We're a singles-hitting team. Now, I do think that'll change a little bit. I think Pierce is going to – I think Pierce is the perfect matchup uh, with Anthony, mm-hmm. and I think Downs will be a big play guy as well with the ball in his hand. So I, I think we're fixing to get a little bit better playmaking, but in the end, this this is a guy with 10 runs over 40. What is it, 50 runs over 10? I mean, this is a guy that can finish off a drive at 45 yards, and when you don't, you know, again, when you're a team that hits singles, that guy that can hit that home run can really matter and you know particularly now with Richardson 
because with Richardson, who now adds gaps to the running game, you have to defend him on the outside. So if you lighten the box, if you're getting the ball Jonathan Taylor, you got daylight. Yeah. One less if defender. If you're giving in that it box. to Joe Fabitz, it's a five yard game. <laughs> and you know, seriously, I mean, because yeah. that's how the game has gone. And Richardson all of a sudden gives us extra gaps in the defense. And you're basically running your running back against light, light boxes. But he's a guy that can take it all the way. I just, I hope that we get this worked out. Rick, I want to ask you about this because I, I, I had mentioned this, and I'm curious your perspective on it. As this Jonathan Taylor situation unfolds before us with a running back not holding out in camp, but obviously, you know, some, some issue there yeah. contractually. And you are trying to get a young quarterback that could benefit off having that running back behind him established and get his footing. Jim Irsay is well aware of the history of this franchise, and Jim Irsay probably refers to the history of this franchise and past players as much as anybody. Yep. You were there with a front row seat when you saw a young quarterback in Jeff George that they were trying to get established in his career, and yet early in his career, the running back that could have kept defenses honest in Eric Dickerson has a contract issue and holds out and, and all hell breaks loose. How much danger is there in that? And are, are the two situations in any way, shape, or form comparable? And does Jim Irsay, in the back of his mind, have to, to refer back to the damage that was done before? Well, actually, Jake, there are similarities in that you two, and you had two running backs with big-time resumes, okay? I mean, Dickerson was a Hall of Famer at one point. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he was a Hall of Famer at that point. And, but then, in order to get Jeff, in order to make those trades, we also depleted the team. I right. mean, we gutted the yeah, team. Yeah, the best lineman, best we, receiver, you know, right? We gave up. I don't know. I think if I remember, if you, if you add the draft choice and the players, we, added like, we gave up like five impact players. So we brought them in, but we brought them into a stark reality. that We, we weren't the team that we were when we brought them in. Now, as far as the two situations – they're different because I, I was there. I was the head coach. And Dickerson openly defied us on the field, okay? You know, Ron had taken care of him. If he didn't want to run a play, they took it out of the offense. Well, I'm coming in to try to survive and to try to play ball control, and I wasn't going to do that. And so he kind of put me in the corner, and even though I was a, quote, nobody, I wasn't going to take it. I wasn't going to handle it. So – I suspended him right there. The league upheld. We went to arbitration immediately. The league upheld three out of the four weeks. At that time, it was a million-dollar suspension. It was 250000 a week, which was tons of money yeah, then. I was you know, say, yeah. It was tons. I think at that time, it was the highest uh, fine going. But I didn't want to do it. It wasn't trying to be hard. I just I couldn't. We, he couldn't back us in the wall and tell us how to run the team. The other thing with Dickerson at that point, though, is Dickerson was at the end. Dickerson was finished, really. Psychologically, as much no, as anything, right? And, and football-wise. I mean, there was, if you look at him after that, there's really very little, on the, very little in the tank. The difference here is this is a 24-year-old kid. This is a 24-year-old Can kid. Can it be a distraction? In the first three to- years who has, what, the, the best, uh, <laughs> best uh, runs, uh, yardage per, per carry of anybody yeah. in history. Does it, Rick, does it run the risk, though, of becoming a distraction that bleeds over to the rest of your roster? Well, it always can, yeah. I mean, anything can be a distraction. I mean, you gotta, you got to handle it right, and we're still in the happiness season. You're exactly right. I mean, this is, you know, until, you, until September 10th, 
we're still in the happiness season. Everybody's off season. Hope springs eternal. None of that stuff matters because you got 90 guys out here. Uh, but, you know, once we get close to the realities of the season, it obviously could be a distraction. So could it be, you know, I mean, you've worked with obviously multiple franchises. So you, you've seen this from all angles. In the case of Taylor, let's just say for the sake of argument that eventually there's a kumbaya and he gets back out on the field, but he misses the majority of camp. Do you run the risk of locker room resentment? And I think he's a well-liked player and a well-respected player, but do you run the risk of guys like, wait a minute, what's going on here? It's like different rules for different guys, and then you get disenfranchised. No. (laughs) Absolutely not. Pro mentality is this. I want the best player in there. I want the guy that can help me win. I want the coach that can help me win. And I really don't give a damn. And I think about the most rest of these guys it. understand it's a business. Right? It's a it's a yeah. total business. I mean, I mean, and I, I tell you what, it. You know, I knew that I had kind of made it or, 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 or arrived as an assistant coach in the National League about two years in when guys were coming to me on Sunday morning asking me questions. Well, why were they asking me questions? Because at that point, finally, they thought I could help them win. When you have, you have great players, you, the, the players know it. They know what he brings to the table, and they know that life isn't fair. That's the professionalism you're talking about. It, there's no fairness in this. you know. So I, 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 I'll tell you what. I, I, I think there'd be zero resentment. I say, get, you know, if he comes back in, Let's go. Ten minutes away from the Colts getting practice underway. That's obviously Rick Venturi with us. Again, him, Greg, Greg Straw, Lair, Overton on the call. Each of the next two Saturdays, Rick will then slide over to the normal radio duties for the final preseason game as that will air on Amazon. One note from the Colts, Tyquan Lewis off the pup list today. So that will leave Jonathan Taylor as the only one still on the pup list. Rick, as we look ahead to Saturday, I I think people will forget, and understandably so, because last year was such a disaster. That preseason opener last year in Buffalo, your offensive line started in that game. And it was just a couple series, but your offensive line got manhandled yep. by Buffalo's second unit. Yep. And again, hindsight's pretty twenty twenty, but that ended up being a precursor yes. of what we saw. So as you look ahead to Saturday, what are some things that you are going to keep an eye on? Okay, here's how I approached uh, the preseason, uh, all the way to the point that I have a totally different scoring system. I, I, n- I never think the result of the game means anything in preseason, but I have a scoring system that will give you a much better look at where your team is. Okay, my thinking is this. When I go into preseason and there's not a team, not a player I ever coach that won't just back me up on this. When, the, when our starters are in the game, and I, I really, it doesn't matter to me if Anthony starts, Minshew starts, whoever we put out there as the starting 11 on offense and defense for the Colts, I want them to beat the dog out of the Buffalo Bills. I expect them to go out and win, no excuses. Now, I'm not going to scheme to do it, but just basic football. I expect them to go out and to win, you execute and you make plays. So, Quiddy, make some plays. Show me what you got. And, if, and, and, and it's really important, ones versus ones. Now, when the game then changes, it's game two. Now what I want to see is I want to see you flash your talent. 
Why why did we draft you on the second round? Downs, you know, why did we draft you on the third round? Show me your talent. I don't expect you to go out and be a refined NFL football player, but I expect you to go out and show me why you're here. So the way I score a preseason game, the way I score it, is I score it like the old World Hockey League, Jake, where they scored it by the quarter. And so what I do is I give you seven points for the winner of the first quarter, three second quarter, two third quarter, four, and one fourth quarter. So if you don't win the first quarter, you don't really, you can't win the game. Okay? Because what I'm looking for is the real score. I'm looking for where is my team. We wa- and that's why people, and I, I argue with people all the time, cause, and, and it's a media thing. Oh, these games don't matter. This is ridiculous. Oh, blah, blah, blah. They don't matter score-wise, but they matter performance-wise. Right. And we saw that with the O-line and just what year, you just that said, yeah. that and the Detroit practices. Sure. right out here. We mm-hmm. walked out of there, and I knew we were going to struggle. You know, I, I didn't, I honestly did not know how bad it was going to be. But I also didn't realize that Matt Ryan was where we where yeah. he was. They were warning signs I, in August. I though. expected much more out of Ryan, to be well, honest with you, and particularly from a turnover standpoint. You saw Matt Ryan's comments yesterday to the Athletic, where he was asked about last season with the Colts, and he said it was a blank show. He's like, "Look, all I can tell you is it was a blank show." Um, your assessment, or your reaction. Well, you know, I, I, you know, obviously the end of the season wasn't very good, so you can call it whatever you want. But his 11 turnovers in the first four games did help it. I mean, so... He didn't live know, up to $25 yeah, million I mean, a exactly. year or whatever you were paying. You know, before you start all that stuff, take responsibility for it. Now, I do believe that, I, you know, as bad as that 4-12-1 and one was, I do think that the last part of the season got away from us. I thought it was chaotic. It was awful. And I'm not sure that we're as bad as 4-12-1. and one. Now, are we a championship team? I don't know that. But I don't think we're as bad. But as far as his comment, I thought, like, you know, again, a guy that turned it over to every time he got hit, I thought he could have left that alone. You know, Rick, you have often talked about ambient players. I love that phrase. And that, are, you know, those are players that keep a coach awake at night when you're trying to game plan for yep. the game. If you are Shane Steichen right now and you've been watching this team and these practices, the guys on your own ro- – not guys, but the core or the area of your football team right now that is your ambient that's keeping you awake at night because you just don't know where it is is what? Well, at this stage, at this stage – now, if Taylor is here, that's different. But at this stage, our only guy that I would consider – and I think guys have a chance to get there – well, two guys is Richardson. Richardson is the only guy with ambient potential. Now, here's what ambient means to me. Well, but I'm saying like the guy that, that, that if you're Shane Steichen, the guy that is most troubling you right now or the core of this team, the, the thing about this team that is most troubling to you. Well, you know, I, I can only tell you what I see. I, 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 I'm not in his head. I, I think our offensive line is stable. It looks to me to be stable. I feel like there seems to run the ball – you know, there, you haven't seen the big leakage anywhere yeah. in protection. So, I mean, you know, that would, that's a big thing because that really fell off. And if that's stable, then, then I think we could be solid. Now, the good news, bad news on that, though, is I haven't felt the defensive front at all. Now, don't get me wrong. Buckner hasn't been in there, and that's your eight-sack guy. Yeah. That's your leading lady. Abu Kamas missed but, about a week uh, yeah, or so. Yeah, but, I mean, I, and he's a four-sack guy. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be real. 
I mean, he, I just I haven't felt that. So offensive line, defensive line, good news, bad news. I think our linebackers have been outstanding. I think Franklin, you know, I think Franklin, I think Speed. And then I've been really impressed with uh, Shaquille. I think, and, and I don't know what we do with him yet, whether we pull, go full metal jacket at what point. But athletically, he is, you know, he has looked really, really good. The other guy that's looked really good on defense, Kenny Moore. I think Kenny Moore and the linebackers have been the highlight of our defense, okay, that really. And offensively, I do like a couple things. I think Pittman will always be Pittman. Pittman will be a role player. He'll be a solid, scheme-dependent, high-volume catcher with very few yards. The two guys I think that can make the difference for us are Pierce in this offense and Downs. Pierce because... Pierce is a downfield guy with a downfield quarterback. Yeah, matches Richardson's you know, strength. In, in other words, Pierce reminds me a lot in it that, that nothing in body type or anything. He's a big Hilton. Hilton was a downfield runner. He wasn't really a slot. He's but like, Pierce can contort a little bit, right? Oh, yeah. But yeah. what I'm saying is with Richardson, you want a guy that can pierce it, literally pierce it, and run deep. And then when he scrambles, continue to go deep. See? So I think Pierce has a chance. To t- he was 14-5 uh, a, a catch last year with nothing. No, so you put now a guy that can heave it and scramble and heave it, you got a chance for him to step up. And then I think the little guy, I think Downs with the ball in his hand, catch a third and four and go. I think you got a chance for some playmakers. But we're not full of ambient player. Ambient player to me is a guy that on Tuesday night I can't sleep and I actually have to scheme to stop him. Not technique to stop him. or you know, I have to scheme. I have to set a scheme to stop him. When you look at the, the Bears coming into the joint practices, Rick, I'm curious this. Rick Venturi is our guest here. We're at Grand Park Colts practice getting set to get underway here in the 9 o'clock hour. Um, do coaching staffs, when you do these joint practices together, will Shane Steichen get together with the Chicago staff? Will there be any notes exchanged ahead of time of, hey, do us a favor and run this for us or give us this look because we want to see that and in turn we'll do this for you? Does any of that conversation oh, yeah. take place? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. You, you, you know, when you, when you get together, you get together with, you know, with a ton of preparation. You set up every drill. You set the parameters. But what I like about the joint practices as opposed to even the preseason games is people don't hold back schematically. Right. And it's basically ones versus Because that's not going ones. on film. So, I mean, when Richardson plays against them in the red zone, it's not going to be a vanilla preseason game. It's going to be what they do and all new people. Then you get your one-on-ones. See, what happens is your defense, and, and I know because I coached it, in training camp, at a certain point, your defense just has the rhythm of your offense. I mean, and one-on-one drills almost ridiculous after a while because you know everybody. Now, all of a sudden, you bring in J.D. Moore, you bring in Mooney, you bring in all these guys, and all of a sudden, man, it, and, and same thing with the line. It's totally different. Nothing like those, and I'm so happy we're doing the two of them. And I'm happy we're doing the Philadelphia one, too. Because you're going up there. Now, that, that's some tall cotton right there. I mean, that when you go to Philadelphia, that's as good a 
roster <laughs> as I've seen. Yeah. Somebody told me the other day the best game in the league this year is going to be the Philadelphia inter-squad, inter-squad. game. <laughs> <laughs> coming up two weeks from today. That'll be the Colts in Philly for that one. The Bears joint sessions coming up next Wednesday and Thursday. Coach, can't thank you enough. Appreciate you doing this. Right. Again, Inside Football with Rick Venter. It's Matt Taylor and Rick. Uh, typically every Wednesday on the Colts Audio Network. And of course, Saturday at 1 o'clock, it'll be Rake, it'll be Rick Venturi, it'll be Lara Overton on the call. Coach, thanks, man. Hey, I love you two guys. I really do. I listen to you all the time, and I, you are the best. I appreciate that, Coach. That is Much Rick Venturi live here at Graham Park. We'll recap some of that and get you set up for the 9 o'clock hour. The horn has blasted here at Grand Park. Colts number 9 camp practice is underway. You're listening to Kevin and Corey on 93.5, 107.5 The Fan. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love, hanging with friends who lift you up, and experiencing all those moments that bring you joy. All hits, no skips. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. So long live singing to the oldies, jamming out to something new, and everything in between. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kiskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kiskali is right for you. Colts practice underway, Grand Park, Westfield, where we are. Again, a reminder, if you go into Quack Daddy Donuts, which is 160, what, about 163rd in Springfield? Yeah, just north of 161st. Um, Go in there today, use the code word Colts, you're going to get... $3 $3 off a dozen donuts. You can also get 10% off if you're wearing Colts gear when you go into Quack Daddy. We handed out some of their donuts earlier and instantly made me popular, which is always a good thing. And it made my belly feel good. They are good, man. I had the uh, cake donut with um, kind of a, a caramel topping. It was delicious. Now, let me ask you, Kevin. Uh, I want to go back to those comments that we talked about from Matt Ryan because we haven't really gotten into that yet. Um, I think I told you, like, I, I know... Some people that know Ryan when he was here, I think he was a good, you know, a good community guy when he was here. But when he left, he basically left behind all his cult stuff, like his kids' cult stuff and whatever else. Just like, yeah, I'm good, and I, and I understand that. But he's not doing the Carson Wentz. He's not practicing with it. <laughs> that's right. He is not doing that. He's practicing television stuff. But um, I, I could see both sides of it. But I, but I think personally, look, I'm not in the building. But I think it's kind of damning when you have a guy that has been with a different franchise and has a – and sure, he did not play well. There's no doubt about it. But when he had the comments saying, yeah, last year for the Colts was just overall a complete blank show, um, a, a complete crap show is basically what he said. Uh, to me, that's a guy that's saying, look, that, that's my first experience with that franchise and I was not impressed at the way it was run. And he didn't play well. There's no doubt about that. But am I overthinking – or overanalyzing or putting too much emphasis on what he had to say? Um, yeah, I, I kind of had two thoughts about the Taylor thing, My fir- or excuse me, the Ryan thing. My first thought was Matt Ryan does not usually offer such candid comments like he mentioned the athletic. Um, I mean, he called it a bleep show. He said to Josh Kendall, the athletic writer for the Falcons, it's hard to pick just one eye-opening moment from this past season. And again, that's not typical Matt Ryan. This isn't... You know, in, this isn't Draymond Green 
saying these things. This is a right. pretty reserved individual, right. a guy that pretty much takes the high road. He certainly took it all last year. Now, let's do mention, he is now a, a employee of CBS. He's getting paid to speak his opinion. So that is something we should probably mention. And then the other point, and I tried to say this to Rick Venturi when we brought it up a little bit, Let's not act like Matt Ryan was some, you know, choir boy with his play on the field. You were paying him 25, what was it, maybe even $30 million. And as much as the Colts didn't support Matt Ryan, I don't think Matt Ryan did a whole lot of individuals supporting himself. And he ended up walking up the 18th hole a lot quicker than I think any of us thought. And I, I, I hate to say it, Jake, but I kind of laugh at some of the comments in the story where he still thinks he can play. He hasn't oh, yeah. ruled out the whole retire. I'm like, what? What are you saying right now? So, um, Matt Ryan is not absolved from the issues from last season, and I, I think that is, in, in in my opinion, that's a fair statement to make. But at the same time, and this has I think been true for certainly the last couple of quarterbacks. Carson Wentz had his own issues, but I don't think the Colts supported him enough. Maybe from a pass weapon standpoint, last year I think it was more of an offensive line failure. First, considering everything you have invested in that group. Uh, but I, I did read those Ryan comments and think, let's not act like you had some Pro Bowl season. Do you know what Matt? Yeah, Ryan, do you know what fair. CBS said about Matt Ryan? <laughs> we have What's Matt that? Ryan. <laughs> you know, the, the one thing I'll say for Ryan, though. Oh, that clip. The one thing I'll say for him, at least publicly. Now, I can't speak privately. But publicly, when the peculiar decision came out that they were going to go with Sam Ellinger, and Ryan went from starter to number three guy. I thought he handled it as well as you could. Yeah. I thought he was professional. I thought he was adult-like. And that's why when he makes those comments, to me it does raise a little bit more of an eyebrow because this is not a guy that has a reputation of being a malcontent. One of the Ryan quotes from that athletic story, I quote, it was one of those things I felt like I was going into it in a position where I'd probably seen it all in 14 years, and then I realized, no, you have not. You have not seen it all. There's a lot of other things that are going to come up. It was a difficult year. There's no doubt Did he expand it. upon what those difficult things were? No, but if I had a guess, I'd say pulling a head coach out of a ESPN TV studio would I mean, probably rank near the top of the list. It's got to be number one, right? Jim say. You know, deciding what the quarterback depth chart would be on more than one occasion, probably another. Um, I don't think Arthur Blank has maybe had that sort of influence on his organization with the Falcons. Uh, for those that missed it, Rick Venturi with us a little bit ago. We'll react some of that coming up to close out the show. The Colts are on the practice field right now. It is a 9 a.m. start time, so they're going through some uh, calisthenics, I guess you would say here, to open things up. Look like the Westfield Shamrocks. Uh, Tyquan Lewis off the physically unable to perform list. Does Tyquan Lewis fall into the, wow, he's still on the Colts? Yes. Group of pool, yes. pool players? Yes. When healthy, good player, Jake. He is, but... When healthy's been the issue. And, and you know, I, you try not to ever hold injury against guys because it's just the one thing you just can never predict, right? I mean, some guys are blessed with being able to stay healthy all the time. Other guys just... Their bodies, for whatever reason, there's always something that pops up, and he's kind of been in that category. Jake, it was two years ago. The Colts were off to a pretty nice start. It was a Halloween game at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Colts had a lead over the Titans. If I'm not mistaken, it was a two-touchdown lead. Tyquan Lewis with an interception. He gets ready to return the interception, and boom, the patella in his knee tears. He fumbles on the interception. Not only was his season over at that point, but... 
that game turned in an absolute blink of an eye. And next thing you know, the Colts lost that game. Again, Tyquan Lewis was lost for the season. And unfortunately, same thing last October. Tore the patella in his other knee. Again, when healthy, he's a versatile, productive player for you. But health has been the issue. It's why he has not signed kind of that nice second contract. Um, so uh, he will get back to practice. That means Jonathan Taylor's two-week stay on the pup list is now the longest of any Colts player here in this camp. He is the only one left on the pup list. You know what's funny is, is I'm watching. We are um, – we're in the end zone here at Colts practice. The the far north end zone, we're technically in the northwest corner, uh, probably, I don't know, 20 yards from the pylon. And right now at the 10-yard line, Anthony Richardson and Gardner Minshew are just going through some – and Sam Ellinger, all three are out there just going through some throwing drills. And I'm looking at Gardner Minshew, and I think to myself, gosh, he is smaller than I thought. And then I realize it's not that he's small, it's that he is standing next to Anthony Richardson. 6'4", 255, right? I mean, it gives you an idea how big Anthony Richardson is. When I first saw him at the Combine, Jake, when we were doing the shows last, I guess this past February, and Richardson got to the podium, and now maybe this is because I had just seen Bryce Young speak, but I thought to myself, oh, that dude's in the wrong group. He should be with the DNs or the tight ends. Yeah, I mean, big dude. No question. I mean, it's not like Minshew's like 5'8". 5'9", you know, and he just, yeah, I mean, size-wise, it's just a different animal. So, uh, quarterbacks getting underway. Again, we will see what the plan will be today from a quarterback standpoint. The trend lately has been more Anthony Richardson, whether that's reps, whether that's starts, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, We'll see if Gardner Minshew gets a chance today. And the practice schedule for the rest of the week after today, they'll have one on Thursday. And then they will head to Buffalo coming up on Friday afternoon for the preseason opener Saturday afternoon.